Hey everyone, welcome to the Made It in Music podcast. Today we're talking with Jordana Bryant about her journey into co-writing. Jordana is a 17-year-old pop country singer-songwriter from Pennsylvania who just moved to Nashville and signed a record deal with Riser House. This was recorded along with our live online audience from our Song Chasers community. You can learn more about Song Chasers at joinsongchasers.com. For now, let's dive into the episode. What is up, everybody? Happy Tuesday, Tuesday. evening. Yeah. I had to think about that a little yeah. bit. This is like a rare time for us, maybe? I'm not... Tuesday evening? Yeah, normally <laughs> night things. So so here's, here's the real truth. We're trying to give you guys more options mm. of times to show up and uh we've got a thumbs, some up. thumbs up we got yeah. some thumbs ups yeah. we realize that a lot of people work they've got the day jobs and stuff so mm-hmm. um definitely trying our best here so yeah awesome we got a good one tonight we've got <laughs> here with us in the studio the one the only jordana bryant everybody give jordana bryant and uh, jordana <laughs> bryant a nice hand clap uh for being here with us they are clapping they are clapping so um we're super excited that you're here yeah excited Uh, to be here it's gonna be really fun and uh i wanted to talk to you about co-writing specifically because you have just jumped in head first uh to it and and you've just done it like a champ you write a ton on your own yeah but you've embraced co-writing in a big way and uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Jordana Bryant is an artist. She's also a songwriter, also now an actress. We'll talk about that a little <laughs> bit later. Um, but just all around multi-talented. One of the most talented artists I've ever worked with. She's 16, 17? 17. 17 years old. Just, as of a week, just 17 <laughs> as of a week ago. When we first met, I think you were 14 or yeah, something. Yeah, 14. I think I'll just keep saying you're 14. <laughs> yeah, but, um, so far ahead of where I was when when I was 17. It's very, very inspiring <laughs> to watch. Um, and not only the talent, but just the the heart, the the hard work ethic, and like literally graduated high school a year early to do this. And it's just amazing. So Thank you so much. Incredible. Um, so yeah, I'd love to just jump in from the top. Like just maybe introduce yourself, share your story. Okay. How'd you get into music? Totally. Uh, So I'm Jordana Bryant. (laughs) I'm from Pennsylvania. And I grew up hearing a ton of music around my house because my dad played lead guitar in a bunch of country rock bands when he was a teenager growing up, you know, high school, college. And so I would always hear him playing around the house. And I just really fell in love with you know, the music he was playing and the, like, not only he was, you know, playing himself on guitar, but also the country songs he was playing me, you know, uh, the Garth Brooks, the uh, Patsy Cline, the Reba McIntyre, uh, the, you know, Dolly Parton, everyone. And I just really fell in love with how, you know, the songs were just so visual and so storytelling and you could kind of mm-hmm. picture yourself in every one of those songs. And I thought that was really cool. And, um, uh, and so when I would hear my dad play, you know, guitar around the house, I would just, I guess at a certain point I started singing along and making up my own lyrics and melodies. And mm-hmm. I don't think I even really knew what songwriting was back then, but I just somehow, you know, started doing it. And I just fell in love with how it's a blank page and you get to kind of do whatever you want with mm-hmm. your songs. And I feel like that's a really cool thing because you get to kind of choose what message you put out into the world as a songwriter. And so you can choose to spread positivity and bring people together and lift them up. And, uh, and, you know, I just really thought that was so special and so uh, amazing. Cause that's something that music is really unique in. There's 
you know, I wouldn't say really anything else that has the ability to inspire people and uh, really, you know, have an impact on them like music does. And uh, so after a lot of begging, when I was 10, I finally got a guitar for Christmas and my (laughs) my dad started teaching me how to play. And uh, a little bit after that, I really started uh, getting into songwriting and I would just, you know, rush home from school and um, go up to my room and, you know, spend hours just messing around with chords on the guitar and, you know, singing out melodies and lyrics. And um, I really just fell in love with it. It's my favorite thing to do. It still is like when people ask me, what are my hobbies? I'm like, (laughs) please say songwriting because that is truly what I do with my free time um I just love it I you know I feel like it's so therapeutic because you get to you know really talk about your own feelings and uh write about them which I think is something that everyone needs to do uh, but it's also something that I just find super fun I feel like melodies are when you come up with something that you love and it gets stuck in your own head and like you know, you just get really excited about the songs. I feel like that's the coolest thing. Um, but so I really just fell in love with songwriting and was working on that and my singing for, for years. And then when I was about 14, uh, I started posting some covers on YouTube and a few of them through mutual friends Seth had seen. And so um, we kind of connected with Seth through that. And then uh, we we came down to, to Nashville to uh, record a few songs and get to meet you and uh and it was really awesome. That was kind of the first time I had ever been in a studio recording and I just loved it. I thought it was such a cool space and such a cool experience. And, uh, and that was super fun. And then COVID hit like a few <laughs> weeks after that. And so I really started uh, digging into social media as a way to share my music with people. And uh, I feel like I was really longing for a sense of community during that time because we were, you know, all really isolated. And uh, and so I started going live on Instagram, like for an hour every night, just to talk with people and to play some songs and to hopefully add, you know, a little positivity to their days. And um so at first it was only like two people joining. My parents were one of them, but um, as it went on, more and more people started joining and it really felt like we were building a community and we all talked about how we were feeling that day and what we were going through and people requested songs and I would play a bunch of songs and I would add people onto the lives and uh, get to talk with them. And it was just something I really loved doing. And it was something that gave me something to look forward to in my days especially when COVID felt like it was just every day was blurring into the next. Um, it was something I really felt like was something in my calendar that I got to look forward to every night. And so for a while, I was just really working on posting and building that up and getting to share my music with people through that. And then uh, this past year, Seth and uh, connected me with uh, Zach Kale, who's another writer and producer. And so me and Seth and Zach have been working on a bunch of songs that we've been writing and producing and putting out. And uh, in February, I signed a record deal with Riser House. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank Exciting. You. Exciting. Thank you. Got some hand claps out there. <laughs> Thank you. And so that's been really awesome to uh, get to start working with a team that's helping me and, and supporting me. And it's it's been awesome. So we've been putting out a bunch of music. Um, I released my first single with them in April called Guilty. And oh. then since then, we've released a few more. One uh, song called New Friends, another called Country Music. We're getting ready to release another really soon. And um, 
So I've just been trying to write a bunch and, and release a bunch. And uh, yeah, I just graduated high school a year early uh, in June. And so Congrats. now I am finally in town uh, for good. And so we just moved, my mom and I uh, just moved a, a few weeks ago and my dad is coming back and forth. So I'm, I'm really grateful for them to, because they've been so supportive and I couldn't do without them and uh, yeah so I guess that's kind of my life story yeah. <laughs> yeah well you got you got a fan out there Joel he says I love your song country music oh, so clever thank you so much Joel yeah. thank you Brian says way to work it thank <laughs> you awesome. For those of you guys who are listening to we've also got if you're just listening to our podcast after um, we've also got uh, Riley Taylor here with us, so I'm not going to be the only one having these convers- asking these questions. Mm-hmm. I know Riley's got a lot of questions for Jordan. Yeah, well. of course. I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, just wanted to kind of ask like how you got started with co-writing specifically yeah. and like what you thought about it at first. Like, you know, did that scare you? Like, were you super excited? Like, what it, I don't know. Yeah. Just kind of talk about through that. Totally. So Seth had introduced me to Stacey Wilbur, mm-hmm. who is a publisher in town. And she started setting me up with a bunch of co-writes once the pandemic hit. Uh, and so my first co-writing experiences were through Zoom. And I probably did like, you know, four dozen Zoom writes before I ever was in person for one. And so it was definitely not the typical, I think, experience learning how to co-write. But honestly, I felt like for me, because I wasn't in town yet, it opened up a lot of doors because people who I wouldn't have been able to write with before or I would have had to be in town with, um, you know, to be able to write with. I was able to write through Zoom with them. And that was really incredible. And um, I think it was definitely something I was at first a little nervous for uh, I remember my my first few co-writes I was definitely a little bit you know worried and I was I was definitely a little more shy I think too about putting out ideas because I was concerned like what if they don't think that's a good idea like will they if I throw out too many ideas and they don't like all of them are they not going to want to write with me again like hmm. but I think that's something that a lot of people are just in their heads about when you first start co-writing and it's truly a no judgment zone and you know, people are super nice, especially in Nashville. Everyone, they just want to write a good song with you and, you know, have a good time. And, um, you know, so I think it's something that I know a lot of times you can feel like, you know, you're worried that you'll get judged or you're concerned about like what they'll think of, you know, your ideas, but it's truly something that you don't have to worry about. Everyone is super, um, you know, just encouraging. And, um, and I feel like co-writing is, is really awesome because you get to learn about like writing. Um, and everyone has a different like style of writing that you kind of can pick up. And, um, I think that's really cool. Like you're like, Oh, I like this person had a really cool way of flipping like the meaning of this. And that's something like, or like adding a bunch of internal rhymes. And that's something that I didn't think about before, but that's really cool. And I should try to do that more. Like there's a lot about writing that you can learn from co-writing. I think like writing is one of those hard things where it's like, there's a lot that's hard to teach about it. It's one of those things. I feel like it's almost, you can learn more by doing it and you know, sure. by sure. getting in the room with people who are already great writers. Yeah. yeah. That's great. We got, we got a lot of good, good questions yes. in the chat too. Uh, for, for those of y'all who haven't been on a training with us yet or, or listening on the podcast, um, mm-hmm. we do a Q and a at the very end. So Please, please uh, save up all yes. those great questions, and we're going to make sure that we, we have get to them. plenty of time for Jordan yeah. to answer those at Definitely. the end. So, sure. yeah. So, so you talked about co-writing. Um, 
this is this is interesting. You you kind of started a little bit backwards. Yeah. And a lot of the people in Song Chasers would relate mm-hmm. to this too, but you you started co-writing on Zoom. Yeah. Which is something that I've had to get used to. Like a lot of a lot of my writer friends that still hate doing writing on Zoom. <laughs> there are days that I dislike it too. If you like really know the people really well yeah. and if you've got something started already, it can be fine. But it's it's kind of difficult. But that's how you got started. And like you yeah. said, you were doing dozens of of co-writes on zoom and then you finally got to jump in the room yeah. with people and do it in person what what was that experience like of like going from zoom to in person and yeah just that whole switch yeah it was it was crazy my first i'm pretty sure i think my first in-person write was actually with you and zach like gotcha. august yeah. of last year i want to say and i was like wow, this is a lot more fun. (laughs) Honestly, I feel like the biggest thing that I realized was like the talking and just hanging out and laughing part of a co-write. That's an important part where you guys get comfortable is something you don't like that's at the start of a lot of rights when you're in person is something that's not as much of a part of zoom rights. You Mm -hmm. kind of, because the conversation doesn't really flow as, as much as when you see someone and you're like talking about your day, like when you're, you know, in an in-person right. So that's something that I noticed that it felt more like you talk for a minute or two on a zoom, right. And then you kind of get started in. But um, I think something that definitely helped is when I was writing on zoom, uh, I would come in with three ideas like whether it's just, you know, a hook idea or a melody or like a chorus or whatever you have. But I think that really helped because Zoom rides, it's true. It's like, I think they're easier when you have something to start off with because in a lot of in-person rights, um, if you don't bring any anything in, like sometimes that's okay because when you're talking in the beginning and talking about your day, you kind of stumble on an idea and you're like, oh, like you just said this. What if we like actually turn that into a song? Like, so I think, I mean, in general, I think it's good to have a few ideas when you come into a write, but especially on Zoom, I think that helps. I mean, I was a little bit extreme when I did it. I would send people, I'm embarrassed to say this now, but I would send writers a SoundCloud link the night before, like the day or two before with three song ideas. I'm like, hey guys, here are some ideas that we could work on during the write. And now I'm like, that's really cringy, but... It, oh, hey, you, mean, it shows I mean, it shows you're prepared. prepared. Thank you. And I mean, it, it did help because I feel like then, um, you know, when we got into the right, we had some ideas to like, you know, to run with. And um, so I think that's something that is important when you're writing on Zoom. For sure. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, we we hate on Zoom, but man, I'm thankful for it. Like, <laughs> oh, completely. There has been so many great songs that I would have never been a part of had it not been for zoom like yeah. some honestly some of the best songs it really doesn't like you don't get better or worse songs it's just different exactly yeah. exactly and i think it also opens up um different you know like writers who write in la who live in la or like international people i know there are a lot of people in like different countries and like you know sweden or wherever the uk that you can write with that like you know, you like, except for rare occasions, you wouldn't be in the same city, but because of Zoom, you can write with these people. And I think that's really incredible. And I think, uh, yeah, Zoom rights are different, but I think they can totally still create awesome songs. You can, they can. And and for those of y'all who are on Song Chasers, I mean, that's for, it's yeah. been an amazing asset for, for so yeah. many of you guys. Because most co-writes are on Zoom at this yeah. point with song chasers for sure and we got you know like i said people in south africa we got yeah. people in canada we got people in texas mm-hmm. and california yeah. and where, who, who, who knows where yeah and none of that would be possible without zoom so it's yeah 
It's a great thing. Yeah. Sure. Um, the one thing that you don't get with Zoom writing is you don't get to sample the different snacks mm. at the different publishing companies. This is true. <laughs> one of the little jokes, little known jokes about Nashville is I think the publishers are all competing with each other for the best snacks. <laughs> And um, I think ours are pretty good. They're, yeah, they're pretty yeah. good. We need yeah. to step it up after hearing what yeah. some other people are telling. I mean, for a small company we that are we're smaller. not like yeah. funded by some big billionaire, no. whatever. Like we do pretty good with our snacks. Yeah. I've, got, I've got my coffee. I've got my Jordana Bryant <laughs> mug. Yeah. Shout out! This is like the best present. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's it's kind of funny. You like I go into Sony, yeah, and I'm like, oh, they got the popcorners, and they yeah. got, they have a Sonic ice machine, which is mm. kind of nice. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, Black River has some nice stuff. They I yesterday I was really considering taking some photos and sending them to Riser House, being like, you got to just see that. No, <laughs> Riser House is kind of lacking. They have they have your typical chip bags, a little like Lay's and Doritos. And yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. A few Belvita. But, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So. <laughs> So that's something that that's a nice thing about in person. But hey, yeah, y'all can do that. Send each other snacks. Exactly. Your Zoom <laughs> Just an idea, idea for you. Or coordinate your snacks. Be like, we should yes. both get some Doritos to to have during the night. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Feel more connected. I, I will say, right. Sony does have a lot of gluten free options, which is oh, that's really nice. nice. Very nice. Very, very yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> um, talk about the advantages since you're fully in the world of co-writing now. What are some of the advantages of co-writing versus just writing by yourself? Because you're fully capable of writing songs 100% yourself. Like you don't necessarily need people to like, you're just, you're great at doing it, but there are advantages to co-writing. Yeah, totally. I think there are advantages to each. I think um, it depends on the idea. Like some ideas, I feel like you can kind of, you kind of know, you're like, this one I can like, I know exactly what I want to do with this. I can write this by myself or like, I already have the verse and the chorus and I know what I want to do with the verse too and the bridge. Like, I don't think I need someone else. And then there are some where you're like, I have this idea for a song and I think it could be awesome, but I feel like maybe I need a stronger lyricist like than myself. Cause you know, I think everyone, like Seth says this a lot, everyone has their strength in writing. You like, there are a lot of people who are really strong at melody. There are a lot of people who are really strong at lyrics, track people, you know? Um, and so I think like sometimes being able to realize that and being like, I think this could be so awesome, but I need someone who's a little stronger at melody, like to, you know, and that's, I think a perfect time to, to bring in a co-writer. I think also when you are trying to just write a bunch of stuff, like if you're trying to pick songs to, to release or you're trying to do it, you know, on a time constraint, I think co-writing is really great on that because, you know, a lot of the songs you probably could finish yourself, but it's just going to take more time. Whereas when you are, you know, in a co-writing session, usually uh, you'll have pretty good idea of it after the first like right you know after a day maybe you go back and make some revisions on it like maybe you spend some more time you know co-writing you might not finish in one day but a lot of the time I feel like you get pretty solid um you know baseline for the for the song in the first day so I think definitely when you're trying to finish ideas up uh, more quickly it's good to write with other people I also think just in general uh, having some songs that you've written by yourself helps when you're trying to tell the story of like I am a strong writer like you know especially I think when you're new in town or like new to the industry and you're trying to kind of prove your abilities I think having a few songs that you've written by yourself definitely uh helps just because you know even if it's not true there are always I think people who sometimes say 
oh, well, who else did they write this song with? Oh, it's probably them who made the song great. Or like, oh, they wrote that song with him? Yeah, he's an amazing writer. That's probably why it's a great song. So I think like just having a few songs where you can kind of point back to and be like, I also write by myself. Like, you know, I think just helps tell your story a bit more. Um, but I think there's, you know, pros and cons to, to all of them, um, you know, to co-writing and writing by yourself. So I think a mix is really important. A lot of publishers who I've talked with uh, all say the same thing, that it's important to have time that you set aside every week to just write with yourself. Uh, because especially as you get into co-writing more, it can kind of be all consuming where you're just writing all the time constantly with other people. And I think writing a little bit with yourself like even if it's just to have ideas to bring into co-writes I think is really important or if it's you know writing a few songs by yourself I think uh, doing a mix of both is really important yeah and you you hit the nail on the head with that because and this is something that like a lot of people will reach out to me in song chasers and be like hey why won't you write with me like can you write with me and I'm like it actually really wouldn't help you that much as much as you think it would mm-hmm. like because if you go into a publisher. They are the first question they're going to ask. Like they're going to want to hear two or three songs, and then the question they're going to ask every time is, "Who do who did you write this with?" Yeah. And you're almost better off showing stuff that you did like a hundred percent yourself, um, unless you just have a total smash moment yeah. with somebody else. That but but they're gonna they're gonna look at that and they'll think like if I was to write a song with with you in the group, like. Um, and you and you were to somehow get in a meeting with a publisher, that's what they're going to ask. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they're just not going to know. That yeah, they, exactly. Because they were in yeah. the room. They don't know how much each person contributed. And, you know, honestly, that was the first thing that um, Jen, the head of Riser House, asked me when I had my first meeting with her. She was like, play me a song you've written entirely by yourself. Or like, play me a song that you haven't played for like any other publishers that's just like, or any other person that's a song you wrote by yourself. And so I think having a few of those is really important. Yeah, for sure. And and like you said, even even if you complete whole songs just to bring them into a write and change half of it, then yeah. it's still worth it, right? Mm-hmm. Completely. So, and, and the other thing that you hit on that I want to reemphasize is songwriting is such a numbers game that the more you get out there like to do this totally. and on any serious level you have to be putting in some serious numbers totally you know if you're not doing the 100 120 songs a year it's going to be very hard to break through yeah. all of the noise because there are tons of people doing that and one way you can do that is by co-writing because yeah i'd have a really hard time finishing 100 120 yeah. songs myself totally it's yeah it's just hard because i think a lot of times you can hit roadblocks and it's when you're writing by yourself it's kind of easier to be like okay well let me go do this other thing or let me like work on my social media right now and i'll come back to this later and then like you know it just takes more time whereas when you're in a co-writing session i mean you can walk out of the room for a few minutes but you're not just like you know what guys we've hit a roadblock let's come back another day i mean unless you're on the like five hour mark which sometimes happens where you're at a roadblock and you're like okay let's finish the bridge another day but yeah. in general you're able to push through those moments i think in in co-writing more and just get more quantity yeah so mm-hmm. what do you do to prepare for a co-write like what do you bring in you kind of hit on this a, a little bit earlier yeah. but like nowadays like how would you if you're going to go into a write tomorrow what would you yeah so i like to bring in i'd say probably like 
three ideas. It doesn't have to, I mean, for me, because I kind of am a melody person, I usually like to bring in a chorus idea, even if the lyrics aren't exactly right. A lot of times I'll bring in a melody that I really like with some lyrics that maybe I like, maybe I want to change. Sometimes I do bring in like a hook idea, like for just a lyric or something. But um, I think having two to three ideas uh, to bring in just really helps the right flow better, I think, in the beginning, because uh, when you don't know what to write and you're all like, what do you want to write? And you're like, I don't know. And they're like, I don't know. It just, you know, Mm -hmm. I think you kind of I think you produce a better song when you already go in excited about some ideas. I think also uh, for me, I definitely think like realizing who you're writing with is an important thing because the songs that I would bring into one writer aren't exactly the songs I would bring into another writer and I mean a lot of writers can write a bunch of different stuff but there are ones that you know are like more leaning pop or like like yesterday I wrote a song for another artist in town and uh he is much more country like on the far end of like you know honky-tonk Garth Brooks like type vibe and so going into it I knew I wasn't going to bring in like a more pop idea that, you know, just wouldn't have been his vibe. Even if we had written it for me, I knew like, that's not the type of stuff he does. So I think yeah. like thinking about who you're writing with and what they're, you know, what they're best at is, you know, important. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, um, you like, this is definitely, I think this would be a tip, right. To like walk in with all these things and be prepared. But, um, do you have any other, like maybe your top three things that like, you would you know tell our community like that would help ensure yeah. that a co-write is successful yeah totally so definitely one would be yeah. bring in some ideas um two i would say don't get too attached to those ideas because um uh, you know they might want to change it and like i've definitely gone into rights where i'm like this is like the chorus for a song and they're like what if we made this a verse and like you know i think just putting some space because this is it's you're vulnerable like these are creative ideas you're bringing in and it's you know you're putting yourself out there to bring these in and so I totally understand being attached to them and I think it is important too to know where you want to go with the song and don't just you know say yes to every like idea because you don't want to offend them like but I think being able to kind of step back and be okay with the idea that you brought in changing or morphing is something that's really important Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'd say also, yeah, don't be afraid of people judging you and don't hold back on your ideas because of that. Like a lot of, I think when I first started co-writing, I would kind of wait to, um, till I had an idea that I thought was perfect to then suggest it to, you know, um, to who I was writing with. And I think that kind of hinders your ability to bounce off of each other. Cause when you just think of something and then say it like then, and it's, you know, not tweaked in your mind and you haven't tried to make it perfect and it's just the raw idea that you had then it's they can kind of bounce off that and be a, and you know have an idea because of that and be like I love that but what if we changed it to this and you're like that's really cool what if we tweaked it to this and so I think just being able to be vulnerable and not try to make everything perfect is I think really important when you're writing mm. mm-hmm. that's amazing and, and I, I will echo with Jeff in the chat says this gal is giving out pearls <laughs> yeah. stay true to you yeah, yeah. Uh, Cynthia says, great advice, Jordana. And as Brian, Brian says, dare to suck. That's always exactly. our, that's our motto. That's our motto. Really. Exactly. No, it's important. It's it's really important. And also, I think one another thing I think is that when I got into writing, like I felt very concerned about offending people by saying like, I, if they like if they throw out a suggestion that you don't love. And I think 
how you like being in rights with you has really helped me with that because like the way that you're like oh that's really interesting like and you know you don't have to take the idea and be like I love that yeah let's do that like you know you like because you don't have to run with the first idea that someone suggests you know you can keep working at it or like um also Zach Kale I think has a great way he's like I think that's really cool I think we can beat it though like or let's see if we can beat it so I think that's something I've learned of like ways to you know kind of say it where you feel more comfortable not you know going with an idea just because someone suggests it because uh, that's something I feel like a lot of us struggle with because we don't want to be rude and we don't want the other person to feel bad like we're not taking their ideas but you know you don't have to go with the first idea and in fact a lot of the time if you keep pushing you find something better yeah yeah I think that's so true um it's it's really the culture in Nashville is it is a best idea wins yeah. town and Speaking of Nashville, you're you are a recent mm-hmm. Nashville yes immigrant <laughs> immigrant. I don't know if that's the right word, but you, you're you, local now. You're a down, you're now a Nashville local. That's a better word. <laughs> um, so congrats on Thank you. moving here. It, it is, so is, it, is it exciting? Are you oh, excited yes. for like how it's impacting your songwriting? Yeah, completely. I mean, one, it's a lot easier to schedule rights because <laughs> there are a lot of people who schedule two months out in advance here. Like that is not uncommon at all like three months in advance and before it's hard to plan a trip like three months in advance and you know schedule stuff so it's it definitely makes it easier uh to be in town and i it already feels like home because this whole year i was going back and forth every other week so uh, i'm really excited to be here full time and yeah well and along with those lines man it's this is always something i tell you know, younger artists I work with or whatever. It's like, don't be offended or don't be sad or don't take it personally if you get canceled on. Oh, yeah. Because it happens to everybody. Like, yeah. I get canceled on twice a week. It's sometimes. It, sometimes three times a week. Yeah, no, it totally happens all the time. Yeah. And it's hard when you have, like, a dream writer who you book something with and then it gets canceled or something. But just it just happens with everyone. And honestly, I think this is something that a few people have told me, and I think it is true. Uh, you know, when you are still traveling here and you don't live here, like kind of enjoy that time because it makes it more valuable when you're here and less people are willing to cancel on you when you're in town, like the whole time, you know, it's like, you know, just people cancel more, but if you're only in town for a week and like, that's the only chance that you're going to get to write with them for the next three months, like they do, I think some, some of the time when it's, you know, avoidable to be able, when it's avoidable, if it'll get canceled, a lot of people will, you know, try not to cancel when you're still yeah. like only making trips. Mm-hmm. So even though that period is hard, I know it cause you feel like I just want to be here full time. Uh, there is kind of a benefit to that, but yeah, people cancel all the time because things come up, you know, a lot of times like your publisher schedules something when you scheduled something and you didn't see it, like it happens all the time. Don't get offended. It's yeah. just part of the town, I think. Part of the, yeah. part of the town. It's, it's create, we're a town of creatives and yeah. creatives show up late and yeah. get things and double book themselves. And some days just don't feel like coming in. So they make excuses, right? Not, not us, but other other people do. That's what I, that's what I hear. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, I think a lot of people and a lot of new artists and writers could learn from you, even at such a young age, is just the way you take ownership o- over your career. You uh, you don't wait on people to do things for you. You kind of just go out and make them happen. Like you. you know, when the when when COVID hit, when the pandemic hit, you talked about like being on Instagram live every night. That's hard. Like mm. that's by night a hundred. I'm sure you were ready to <laughs> like have a night off, right? Um, but you take you know you take 
people like Rick Barker and you learn from them and you put stuff into action. So can you talk about the importance of that? Like just taking ownership yeah, over your career, totally. not necessarily waiting on a, a manager or a label or a publisher to yeah. do things for you. Yeah. Well, I definitely think that you should be the one that's working the hardest for your career out of your whole team. And if you're not, that's a problem because you're the only one who wants it as much as like, you know, no one else wants it more than you. And everyone else, I think, even the people who really believe in you, like at the end of the day, it's not their career. And if it fails, like, you know, it's okay because there are a ton more artists around town and people who are going to work hard for it. And there are so many people who are so talented here and who want it and who are willing to work hard for it that I think uh, truly the only way to be successful is by working really hard at it. And I, I know it's super you know, super common phrase and everyone says it, but I think it's really true that hard work beats talent yeah. any day. There are so many people who are super talented and super work really hard here, but there are also like a ton of people who are super talented who don't work the hardest and they're not going to make it even though they might have the best voice that you've ever heard or might be the best writer. Like it's truly about hard work. And um, I feel like there are so many good examples of that, like in town. And when you like, one of the things that I think is the coolest thing, like, being in town and hearing stories of people who worked with like your inspirations and the people who you like look up to as artists, like they are all going to say that those people work really hard. Like, mm -hmm. you know, all of the people who I look up to when I'm talking to people like uh, Taylor Swift and Dolly Parton, when you talk to people in town who have worked with them, they all say the same thing. They're all like, they were super hardworking. Like they were in the studio for months just trying to get that one song right. Like, and, and so I think that's really important. And I think, uh, you know, I just think like, especially as you're trying to establish yourself in town and uh, because there are so many people here, I think, you know, just being able to have a reputation of always showing up on time to your rights, always being prepared, always ready to, you know, work, like trying to take every, like anyone who's willing to give you advice, listening and being open and being open to it is really important. Uh, because one, it helps to have like just a good reputation, but two, Nashville is such a small town. Like mm -hmm. I know people say that and I didn't, I still can't even believe how tiny it is when there are so many people in it, yeah. but everyone knows everyone and reputations get around really quick. So mm -hmm. having one that's a good reputation and having a reputation of being hardworking and committed is really important because that's ultimately how people are going to decide what decide whether they want to work with you whether they want to take a meeting with you whether they want to take the time and write a song with you yeah. uh, and so i i think that's really important and i think just also for yourself being able to uh you know i think one of the things that i've really thought about is like even if i'm not able to make it like if i know i've worked as hard as I could on it, then like when I'm sitting in a rocking chair, when I'm 80 years old, like I won't have regrets, you know, and there's no guarantee in like in this town because there are so many amazing people and so many talented people that, you know, you will be able to make it. And I mean, what does make it even mean? But like, just meaning if, if you work as hard as you can, I feel like that's just, you can be the happiest because then, you know, at the end of the day that no matter what else happens in town, that, you know, you've done all you can and i think that's really important yeah well said lots of, lots of little nuggets in there so you know good. but yeah i always say nashville's a big city small town totally right? just it's it's weird you don't like realize it until you get yeah. here and you're like 
everyone knows everybody it's so true I still like yeah. don't even know how it's possible because I'm <laughs> like there's yeah. so many artists in town but everyone's connected yeah yeah you you learn that quick but yeah I guess kind of going off of that um you know, you've been killing a game in the social media world. And I, you said you kind of started with YouTube and then kind of moved to Instagram. And now like, you're just kind of blown up on TikTok a little bit. And so I guess like, I would just ask kind of like how, like what made you want to start in that? And, um, yeah, I mean, just talk a little bit about why that's important. Why like social media? Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the really awesome things, uh, about being in the industry today is you don't have to wait for a label or a manager to be able to make the investment in you and like, and then you can finally get into the studio and put something out. Like you can reach an audience by yourself with zero, but like zero dollar budget, zero dollar budget. Like say that 10 times. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible that you can reach so many people without having to have a team behind you that is willing to put, you know, the money and into it. And so I think that's really incredible. Um, I started getting into, like I said, YouTube, um, before the pandemic, like a few months before it, um, because I really just wanted to be able to share some music with people. And, um, and then once, um, COVID hit, like when I went down to meet Seth, I also, uh, Seth connected me with Rick Barker, who is awesome and has a bunch of courses on social media. And he was the one to kind of tell me like, focus on one platform. You should focus on Instagram, like just go for it. Try posting a bunch of stuff. Uh, that's where your audience is like, because for me, I feel like a lot of my audience is people around the same age, people who are, you know, kind of teenage girls. I mean, that's not the only audience, but I think you should kind of know kind of the people who you're trying to target with your music. And so for me, I kind of knew that the people who I was already kind of attracting and the people I wanted to attract were people in a similar mindset, uh, you know, young girls. And, um, and so he was like, focus on Instagram. That's where a lot of them are. Um, and, and so that was what I really just spent my time on. And even as TikTok was coming out for a while, I wasn't on it because, um, I think he gave some great advice. You can't really do it all. I mean, you can, but it's it's a lot to to be on every single platform. And so uh, for a while, I really just focused on Instagram. And, um, and I think that was honestly beneficial because it allowed me to create a community on there. And when I would ask, I think it's important to ask your audience, like, and when I would ask them, like, do you guys want me to be on TikTok? A lot of them were like, no, I'm not on TikTok. My parents won't let me get the app. Um, and, and so for a while, I just stuck to Instagram. And in the last like six, seven months, I have been doing stuff more on TikTok to expand. And so I think like, obviously when there is something that's really blowing up, like TikTok and record labels are looking at that. It's, you know, important to, you know, somewhat be on it, but I don't think that, uh, you know, if you have something working for you, like Instagram was for me, I don't think just because people are saying TikTok's the new thing that you have to devote all your energy to that. And I think that's something that Rick, um, really gave me some good advice about because, um, you know, if you're doing something and it's having success, even if it's not what people are telling you, you need to have success on, like, don't just switch paths because it's what everyone else is going towards. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. And I think with TikTok, it was funny, like, I was talking to Rick a couple of months ago, a, a month, a, we're about to jump <laughs> up on our words. I was talking to Rick a couple of months ago about TikTok specifically. And he like pointed out a couple of things that I like had never really thought about. And he was just kind of like, the reason why TikTok is so like, 
hit or miss for some people is like, you know, you can go viral and that's great for a second, but it's like people are buying into the moment and not buying into you. Right. And I think you do a great job of that, of like people buying into you and your story and like your journey. And, um, and you can see that you go to your profile and you're like, Oh, this girl, like she's got a story. And so people like, you don't have just like this one viral video that you're just like clinging to, right. That some people have on TikTok, And so that can like, to sometimes determine your success and like, are you going to convert those people to your Instagram, yeah. which is where you're hanging out. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's where, and like Rick always says, like take people to where you want them to be. And so I yeah. think, I think you've done a really great job of that, but, um, do you have any like tips for beginners? Cause I mean, we talk a lot about social media yeah. and song chasers and about just like the intimidation and just like, it's a lot. And so as an artist, but it's some, it's kind of important. And so do you have any beginner tips that you would say? Yeah, I'd say definitely posting uh, consistently really matters. Uh, For Instagram, I try to post once a day. TikTok, I'm trying to post like three times a day on. Uh, Don't hit it every day. I don't hit it every day, but you know, um, I, I try to, and I think that Instagram, you can post less. I think TikTok, like, there is more of a push for more content, but, um, but yeah, I think posting consistently really matters. I think going live really helps because that's where personality can come through. Personality can totally come through in your posts, but when you get to talk to people and really like connect with them live, it just, it makes a big difference and it, it creates, you know, it turns someone from a semi fan into a diehard fan. And, um, and also specifically on lives, adding people to your lives and being able to bring people on individually and talk with them for like, even if it's only for like 20 seconds, which I mean, a lot of the times when I'm adding people on, it'll be for like two minutes or something, not a super long time, just to get to talk with them and ask them like, what have you been up to today? Like, who are some of your favorite artists? Like, do you have any song requests that like you'd like me to play? I think that really just makes a difference. And being like, hey, let's get a photo where like they could take a screenshot on their phone and like get a photo, which they're probably gonna post and tag you in. And now you're getting out to their followers. And you know, also when you go live with someone, which is something that Rick taught me, when you go live with someone, it sends it out to all of their followers that they're going live. So if you add someone to your live, they're all their followers are going to get a notification and they might click on the live and then they might get introduced to you, which is really great. Um, and then let's see what other advice would I have? Oh, um, I mean, this is, I guess, kind of odd, somewhat obvious, but reels are really, um, really great. Specifically, like when you're posting on Instagram, don't just post like if you're posting any video put it on reels. Like I honestly don't think there's a point to posting a video that's just to your feed and not to reels because reels just get much more, uh, they get pushed out a lot more. And so, um, definitely if you're posting any video content, post that to reels. Um, I think posting a lot on your story too, of just like, they don't have to be high quality things. They can be literally you just holding your phone up. Like I'm heading to a right right now. Like just those like super just personal moments that you're showing like what's going on in your day if it's literally you making a cup of coffee or you like being like I have such big bags under my eyes I'm so tired I didn't get enough sleep last night like those personal moments help people become a fan of you and not just your music uh, and then I think obviously social media can get to be a lot and it can be draining when you're uh, doing it all the time when you're always constantly posting something or responding to comments. So I think setting a time, like a specific time where you're like, okay, 
I'm going to spend an hour or 30 minutes, two hours, whatever it is on social media. And then after that, I'm going to take a break, I think is really important because I feel like a lot of times for me when I'm just constantly on my phone and constantly on social media, you can feel like you're not really present, which is something that affects your happiness. And you're not going to post or be on social media if it's not fun and if it's something you hate doing every day. So I think definitely setting limits just helps with your happiness and helps with your ability to to want to post and want to be on social media. For sure. You're giving us you're giving us a master class. <laughs> I saw somebody in the in the comments posted, how are you only 17? <laughs> yeah. Right. Thank you. Amazing. Um recently I, I got to see this. Uh you had the chance to star in Nashville's theater production of May We All. Yes. <laughs> so congrats on that. Thank that was awesome. You even got to sing on um song with Danielle Bradbury for the show. Yeah. It was an amazing connection. Um was that was that fun? Yeah. Crystal? It was it was a blast. It was something that I got connected through uh someone who used to work at my label and um who is also just like good friends with um a bunch of people who I'm friends with and so I became friends with him like a few months ago and uh he was producing like one of the producers on the musical and so he kind of introduced me to the opportunity that they were getting a bunch of artists in town to do the guest role for one night and it's not a lot it's just a few lines you sing a few things and um and so that's kind of how I got connected and it was such a blast there I mean there were so many amazing people who were doing it that I was like oh my gosh this would be so cool because uh you know, Brian Kelly, who was a big part of the production and a big part of the musical himself, but like he did the guest star role. Breland did the guest star role. Mm. Um, like, like, you know, a lot of amazing people. And so, uh, when the opportunity kind of came about, I was like, Oh my gosh, that sounds so fun. And it was such a blast. You, um, you know, you got to just, you had like a few lines, so you didn't have to learn that much. And, you know, you got to practice with the cast beforehand but then uh you go on and it's like a musical that they are doing uh at they were doing it at TPAC which is the uh, theater in, in Nashville mm -hmm. and so you just come on for the last few scenes and it was such a blast mm -hmm. it was it was a totally different way of performing you know it's not like a typical show that an artist does like it is a theater show but it was it was really fun and it was so cool to get to meet all the cast and it was actually funny because one of the dancers who was in the music video that we did for my song last first uh last spring he was in this musical so it was really cool to see him again and um yeah it was it was a blast and it was really cool to to get to meet brian and everyone working on it and that was like that was one of those kind of pinch me moments because it's someone who you listen to like I'm like mm -hmm. I know so many Florida Georgia lines and I'm such a big fan <laughs> yeah. and, you know um so that was that was really cool and it was it was a really fun uh you know night and it was really fun to be able to perform and get to sing music in a different way yeah, yeah. well you, you you killed it you nailed it thank you um I had fun watching it. <laughs> so, uh, and your mom, your, it makes, you, this, this is a really good example of how you're embracing the multi-dimensional side of yourself as an artist. You're, you're not only a great songwriter, you're not only a great artist, but you're also a great actress and performer. So are you basically trying to become the next Dolly Parton? <laughs> oh, I think definitely thinking of yourself as a brand is, um, kind of important because just realizing that especially with streaming and how music has shifted revenue streams have gotten a lot smaller um and with streams i mean i i think i heard from someone that it's like 
it takes roughly like for, you know, the amount that you invest in producing a song and stuff. And a lot of times the artists aren't taking that on. It's the label, but for the amount that it takes to produce a song, which isn't a ton, it takes a hundred million streams to make that back, Mm -hmm. just to make that back. And so then when you're thinking about how much you need to uh, stream to be able to make enough to sustain yourself, it's a lot. And I mean, there are other revenue streams, there's touring, there's merch, there's, other things, but I think really thinking about yourself as a brand and what other things can I do to one, build awareness about me and my music, but also to have some other revenue streams because, um, you know, when you become a brand and you start doing movies or like that as one audience to you, who are people who you can now be like, who become a fan of you, and then you can introduce them to your music and hopefully make them a fan of your music. But it also is another revenue stream and, uh, you know, when you do a clothing line or a makeup line or whatever it is, I think just coffee mugs. <laughs> exactly. Being being open to the fact that as artists, we are all our own business. We are all our own brand. And really embracing that is is important because you never know where your big break can come from too. Like it could be that you really are a musician, but this part came about and you were like, okay, sure, I'll do this like little movie film. And then that blows up and suddenly you have a bunch of people who now know who you are, who you can direct towards your music. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it's just, you know, the more opportunities that you say yes to, the more possibilities there are. I love it. Yeah. So much good wisdom. We are going to end with our rapid fire round. Are you Let's ready for it. that? Let's do it. Yes. Rapid fire. Probably got some <laughs> music to play or something. Yeah. So uh, now being a Nashvilleian, what is your favorite Nashville restaurant? That's a really good question. Um, Virago, I think. Virago. I, I literally say it's actually yeah, probably a problem. That. I say this like I feel like I say this too much. Where like I'm talk, I'm literally now promoting the restaurant. Like most people I talk to, <laughs> you I'm need like, to get a sponsorship. Have you been to Virago? It's it's a sushi restaurant in town, mm. and it's really good. And Amazing. Sushi. If you're in town on Mondays, they have like half off. So mm. we love half price sushi. Exactly. We do. We love we do. it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay. Favorite concert you've ever been to. Favorite concert? I would probably say there are two kind of competing. I would say mm-hmm. either Garth Brooks, who I saw a few months ago at the Nissan Stadium uh, in Nashville. He is incredible. I mean, my parents are such big Garth fans, and they have been telling me for years that he was incredible. They got to see him when he played in Central Park um, in, I forget what year, but it was this huge concert. And so uh, when I got to see him, I was like, I totally know what you mean. Just the way he captivates the audience is incredible. And then also, who's on a total different spectrum, a uh, different side of the spectrum, Ed Sheeran, I thought was amazing. And he literally is just himself on stage. He doesn't have a band with him. Uh, he's just using a looper pedal mm-hmm. and captivating 60,000 people. And somehow they're all like completely enthralled with yeah. what he's creating. I think that's just really cool. His shows feel really intimate. And that was my first concert that I had seen when I saw him on his Divide tour. So those are two very different concert, concert experiences, but I think they both really just made you feel connected to them, which is, you know, I think the biggest thing about when yeah. you do live music. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Uh, what was the first song you ever performed on stage? First song I ever performed was Gravity by Sarah Bareilles um, yeah. when we were in Colorado when I was eight. And uh, 
one of our family friends was in a band and so he was playing at this hotel and he invited me up to do a song and uh yeah I remember I sang that song and it was just I was very nervous like my legs were shaking and I was <laughs> but I just like once I started singing I feel like it kind of just all melted away and you just get lost in the song and um that was kind of when I knew I really wanted to you know perform and do live music that was the moment yeah exactly such a good song too yeah. <laughs> Um, always love some syrup. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Same. All right, coffee or tea? Oh, that's a good question. I would probably say tea because even though I do love coffee, uh, tea I think is just really good for you and mm-hmm. really good for your voice. Whereas <laughs> yeah. coffee dehydrates your voice. Uh, yes. Tea is good for your voice. And um, yeah, I don't know. I always feel like more calm when I'm drinking tea. I'm like, yeah. nothing can phase me. I'm like drinking tea. I'll light a candle. Oh, like, yeah. you know, I feel like I'm in my like you know, my calm. Yeah. Okay. Last question. What is your favorite item under a hundred dollars that you've ever purchased? (laughs) That's a really good question. Okay. I would say going back to the tea thing, throat coat tea. If you don't know what throat coat tea is, if you've never had it, you need to. It's seriously therapeutic. I don't know. It's lifesaver. Exactly. I don't know what they put in it, but this whole year, uh, when I was coming back and forth and getting sick a lot of weeks because the planes, there was a lot of sick people on the planes and there were a lot of sick people in my school. And, you know, I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to have no voice when I went into a write. I would just drink a bunch of throat coat and it really makes your voice feel so much better. It's incredible. Uh, And that's very much under a hundred dollars. It's probably like $10. But it's one of my favorite purchases. And then I'd probably also say fuzzy socks. I'm a big fuzzy sock person. Uh, You can't go wrong with that, right? You can't go wrong with fuzzy socks. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Uh, Jordana, this has been a blast. We are going to transition here for those of you guys who are Listen to our podcast. Mm-hmm. We are live with our studio audience with Song Chasers. So be ready to type in your questions in the chat. And um, yeah, Jordana, thank you so much oh for being gosh. on with us. I've, was, I've, yeah, I've learned a time. Yeah. I think we've all learned a time. <laughs> yeah. So this was so yeah. fun. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for inviting me to do this. And, and where can people find you, by the way, too? Yeah. Yeah. Socials, website, all of that stuff. For, yes. For uh, so I post a ton of music on my socials. So Instagram, TikTok, all of it is Jordana.Bryant. And then YouTube, just Jordana Bryant. Um, my website is www.jordanabryant.com. Um, <laughs> and I have, um, uh, I have a few songs out on Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, Amazon Music, all those places. Um, so yeah, if you want to hear some of the release stuff that is on there and we're releasing a bunch more stuff soon. So be on the lookout. Awesome. Mm, stay tuned. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Made It in Music podcast. In addition to this episode, we also recorded a Q&A session where some of the songwriters in our Song Chasers community were able to ask their own questions. We'll release that episode shortly after this one. Make sure to check out some of the other episodes of the Made It in Music podcast as well. We have well over 100 interviews with some of the top music industry professionals, many here in Nashville and many from all over the world. Subscribe to make sure that you automatically get future episodes and leave us a review if you loved it. It would really help us out. Or send an email to support at fullcirclemusic.com if you have any ideas for how we can improve the show. If you'd like to become a Song Chasers member and attend these training sessions live, head over to joinsongchasers.com to learn more.
You also get additional exclusive trainings from me. You get our TrackSuite Pro software. You get song reviews from me and my team. And you get access to a custom social media network we created exclusively for songwriters and musicians. There's nothing else like it on the internet. Go to joinsongchasers.com to learn how to join and check out madeitinmusic.com for more content and episodes from this podcast. See you in the next episode.